Well, it's good to be here and good to worship together. And um, wow, great songs. Thanks for leading us, you guys. What a pleasure it is to, to be with God's people and to sing. You know, you were made, God designed us to worship him. And um, I know that you may not feel like you're a very good singer, and the person sitting in front of you may feel that way too about you. Um, but you know, singing is such an awesome gift from the Lord. And I don't mean as a gifted singer, because I'm not either. But I tell you, it's not by accident that in Ephesians 5, when it talks about living filled by God's Spirit, in other words, living in, under the control of God's Spirit, that singing is mentioned. I'll just give you a little tip. When you are feeling down or feeling discouraged or feeling anxious, I encourage you to sing and to listen to songs about God. Just turn on your radio to one of the local radio stations that sing Christian songs, 90.5, 91.7, there's others, and just spend time hearing God's word and singing along with because it's a blessing. It is a real blessing just to allow music to encourage our hearts. Hey, a couple of things I want to just share with you, um, just really uh, because I know you've been praying. Um, I've, got a, I've got a message here from um, Fran Stoddard's daughter, Olivia. Remember, Fran had surgery this week, and um, I asked Cole and Olivia for an update, and I got one just a few minutes ago. So I'm going to tell you what, how Fran is doing. Um, so they were worried after the surgery about the possibility of pneumonia, but uh, that has, that's gone well, and she's doing really well with that. The doctors are very impressed with how she's getting along, and here's what Olivia said. Fran's spirits seemed very high this morning, just this morning. Her doctors took off the bandage, and they're able to see the incision, and it looks great. So it seemed like maybe yesterday was a setback, but things are going really, really, really well this morning. So thank you for praying for Fran, and uh, she went through this surgery just this week and continued to lift her up. I think an email went out this morning to uh, potentially provide some uh, meals for the Stoddard, so be aware of that. It's also great to see Mark and Gina over there. Been a long time, my friend. Where are you at, Billy? You working your way over there? Um, He's clear over there. I gave you that mic, remember? Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Mark, I haven't told you this, but Mark, I want you to share with us how you're doing. Um, Tell us a little bit about what's happened in your life in the last two months, and just kind of give us an update, because we've all been praying, and you've been on our hearts, so go ahead. Well, first, I'd like to praise the Lord, and my wife, Gina, and each and every one of you here. You've made such a difference in our life with your prayers, support, visits, and I'm just like you or anyone else in here. The day before this happened, I had no idea it was coming. It just dropped out of the sky. God left to come into our lives and spent three weeks in the hospital, had surgery. I'm out doing well now between the doctor and Gina. They're keeping me in line. <laughs> but I think the most important thing, other than praising the Lord on the recovery and his timing, is just how important each of you are to us and to each other. You don't realize, but this is our family. Mm. And the support and love that you gave us, whether it be a phone call, visit, a text, dropping in at the most unexpected time, but it was great to see each and every one of you that came to the hospital. But I just want to thank you all. And uh, if you've ever thought about making this your church home or trusting the Lord, I'll get uh, both of those in the affirmative. Trust the Lord first off, but make this your church home and depend on each other as family. Thank mm. you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. 
And thank you for coming around, Mark and Gina. And look for opportunities to do that, folks. You know, when, um, when you're down and out or dealing with a, with a sickness like Mark and Gina have been dealing with since December 31st, um, it's important to have people around you. So, um, so reach out and care for each other. Well, as I said, this morning I intended on um, preaching from Ephesians chapter 6 in God's instruction there to children when he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. For that's the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and live long on the earth. You say, wow, Lord, you got that memorized. That's right. From always saying it to my kids, right? We're going to talk about that next week. After uh, just the events of the last, honestly, 12 hours, just with the snow and everything, I, I just knew that things would be off this morning, and so I just decided we'd just call an audible, as I already said, and, and talk about something a little different this morning. And so I want to share with you really something that just came out of my quiet time with the Lord this very week. It's one, of the things I, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this today is I want you to tell you, my relationship with the Lord is just like yours. I spend time with the Lord, not every day, okay? Sometimes it, it slips my mind or I get busy or I get distracted, but I spend time with God. I try to find God through his word on a daily basis. And one of the things I started this year is I started in the beginning of the year in Psalm chapter 1. I thought, I'm going to try to read a psalm every single day and just reflect on it and, and allow the Lord to speak to my heart. So this week I landed at number 37. Now do the math. That tells you, I wasn't hitting every day, okay, I'm human just like all of you, okay, but I landed at Psalm 37 this morning, and um, I'm going to start there, and then we're going to jump off of that to another one, as the Lord sort of directed me in my own study. But I want to say a word about the Psalms. Go ahead and turn there, would you? Uh, Psalm 37 be fine, or Psalm chapter 1, or, or a lot of different places you can go, but just find your way to the book of Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms is, is an awesome book, but, but a lot of people don't understand it. And, and things are said about it that are true, but not completely true. Like people have, have characterized this as God's song book or, or God's praise manual. And listen, there, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. But it's much more than that. There's some things you're going to read in the Psalms and you're just like, I cannot believe that a man of God would write this down. Praying for the death of one's enemies, crying out in just sort of turmoil and, and struggle. And the psalmist is very, very real. To me, it's more accurate to say that it is just real life, the book of Psalms. I mean, for instance, you're going to go all over the place today in the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm chapter 1, okay? Go to Psalm chapter 1. Let's, let's just read the first three verses. Maybe you've memorized this sometime in your life. You should memorize Psalm chapter 1. It's a great passage. Look what it says. Blessed is the man, verse number 1, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. Now that sounds great. I love that. I love Psalm chapter 1. It's an encouragement to me. It's a challenge to me to chase after God and to trust him. But let's just be real. Let's just be real. Does that accurately reflect your everyday living? 
I mean, are you living on a day-by-day basis, seeing this played out in your life? He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. Is that your experience? Because let me tell you, it's not always mine. Sometimes I have really bad days. Sometimes I have really discouraging days. And I look around, it seems like the wicked are having the time of their life. So you look over at Psalm chapter 2, verse number 1, and look what it says. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing and saying, let us burst their their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now that sounds like real life. That sounds like real life. The, the, the ruling, the, the popular, the, the mighty are rebelling against God. You see, the Psalms are real. This is real life living here. This, this, is, this isn't just pie in the sky. The Psalms are a real look at the emotions that we go through. And sometimes we can be really high and it's like God is really working. This is great. And other times, not the case. How do, we, how do we navigate life in the ebb and flow of our emotions? How do, we, how do we get through our daily experience that sometimes is up and sometimes is low? And it can happen in just the turn of a couple minutes, right? You can be up and you can be down. How do we live this? How do we, how, do we, how do we make it? Well, now you can go to Psalm chapter 37. So I landed there this week. It happened to be the morning after a really bad piece of news came on my television screen. You all know what happened this week. Another murderous rampage as many people lost their lives on a very unexpected day. And that next morning, I got up and read Psalm 37, verse number one. And it says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Fret not, it says. The psalmist says, fret not. Let me talk to you about what this word fret not means. It means to get hot is what it means. It means to increase in temperature. I'm riding down the road one time, down Interstate 81, And this truck goes by me, passes me on my left, and he hits something in the road. And and I'm kind of, you know, sort of parallel along the way. And I can see that there's something stuck underneath of the front sort of axle of his vehicle. And as he goes, there's sparks just flying all over the place off off this object that is now stuck underneath his car. And I really didn't think too much about it until I kind of sort of looked over a little more, and I realized it was a gas can. It was a metal gas can 
Now, I don't know what's in this can, but it's stuck underneath the guy's truck, okay? And it is just sparking like crazy from the friction on the road. So I just went on home and said, see you, dude. No, not at all. I'm like waving. I'm like, you know, pull over, pull over. And a couple other people did the same thing. And the guy did pull off right up here at exit number 12, I think it was. Pulled in there right near the state police barracks. And, and he pulls off and pull up behind him because I'm just curious, you know, what's going on. A gas can, and there was fuel inside of it. And you could see the side of the can had been rubbed sort of raw from the concrete friction. Now, you know what could have happened. See, that, that idea of that, that friction surface causing heat that will eventually explode is that word fret. That's what that is. It's to get hot, fired up, to kindle a fire, it can mean. I do this regularly at my house. Take some pine wood, I, I cut it up into small pieces, into kindling, put it in my wood stove, start a fire before you know it. I got a raging, heated stove. Fret not. Don't get hot. Don't, don't, get, don't get on fire over evil doers. Now you can think about evil doers in a lot of different ways. On that morning, I thought about an evil individual who harmed many people for no reason other than evil. But I want you to see where the passage goes. And this is how God challenged me just this week. Be not envious of wrongdoers. Now, a little Hebrew lesson. See that word envious? Okay? It has the same root, it's really the same word as fret. The word fret is take the word envy and add a piece to it, and you've got the word fret. So, what envy is. Envy is when I get hot over what somebody else has. When I see something that you have and I want it, and so I get hot, kindled, burned. Does that sound familiar to you? You ever been there? You ever seen somebody's things or seen somebody's abilities or or seen how God has provided for them, and you find yourself on fire with envy. It's interesting, by the way, another just idea here, that same word is used of God. You know that? That same word is used to describe God. You remember in the Old Testament it says that the Lord God is a jealous God. You know what that means? When God as our maker, as us as his children now, when he sees us bowing before other things, he gets hot. Because he knows that only he is deserving of our praise. So here's what happened to me. I think it might have been Thursday morning or so. I don't remember. I'm opening up Psalm 37. And I see this, fret not, don't get hot. My first thought went to the individual. 
And I, I really rain down judgment in my heart towards him. Right? I got all high and mighty in my heart towards him. And felt, honestly, hatred and anger. And then, as God often does, that x-ray vision who looked, that looked at him sort of bounced back right at me. And I saw, be not envious of wrongdoers. Hmm. We must be careful. We have to be careful because we can quickly set, step ourselves up into the seat of the judge and not realize that there might be a log in our own eye. Careful. So let's talk about this envy of others. Now, the word in, this word envious is only in the Psalms two places. And, and as the number guy, now this means nothing, okay? Don't read anything into this. But coincidentally, it's in Psalm 37 and in Psalm 73. Okay, doesn't mean anything, okay? Don't, don't read into that. There's not any numerology here. It's just something that's interesting, especially to me as a, as a math guy. Okay, so go with me to Psalm 73, and let's see what it says there. Now, I didn't go there because I flipped the numbers around. That's not it. I went there because I knew. This word envious, not in the Bible very often. Not in the book of Psalms. And that drove me to Psalm 73. And here I want us to talk about the envy that is ready to trap us if we aren't careful. Look what it says. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel. To those who are pure in heart. And this is how the Psalms often do. The Psalms often start with a, with a strong statement of, of what is righteous and what is true. And, and what we should be saying. This should, this should be coming out of our mouth. We should be starting our day by saying, truly God is good to his people. But the Psalms are also real. You see, they're real life. Many of them are written by David, not this particular psalm. But they're written by men who are in real life situations. And they describe real life emotions. So look where the psalmist goes. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was Hot with envy. That's what that word means. I was hot with envy. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Can we just talk real for a little bit? Envy is a wicked, wicked thing. I... I've been following Christ in some way or form since I was about 15 years of age. So that's like 31, 32, 33, something like that years. I forget my age right now, but it's somewhere in there. 30 plus. Okay? Here's what I find. There are some things, some desires, some struggles that don't go away. They don't go away. I used to think that when I was walking with the Lord for a certain amount of time, this particular temptation would go away. 
It doesn't. It doesn't. In some ways, it's almost gotten stronger at times. The temptation. Remember, Jesus was tempted like us. He without sin. So it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin for you and I to be tempted with envy. No, it's a sin to branch off into that envy. But here we have the psalmist saying, I just about slipped, I just about stumbled, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The word here, prosperity, you know the Hebrew word. You know what it is? Shalom. Wow, isn't that interesting? When I saw the shalomness of the wicked. Shalom is a Hebrew word. It's a very important Hebrew word. It means peace. It means security. It means happiness. It means contentment. It means everything that I want is mine. Shalom. That's what it means. It's a state of settled contentment. A state of settled peace. And the psalmist says, surely God is good, but me, I just about fell. I just about fell because I saw the wicked. I saw the wicked all around me, and they had shalom. They've got shalom. What's with that, God? Why do they have shalom? You turn on your television, you turn on the internet, you turn on anything, okay? And you've got shalom in your face all the time, right? And I find this always in front of me, this temptation to be envious of the wicked, to be envious of their popularity, to be envious of their prosperity, to be envious of the things that they have and they can do. And I find myself being drawn to this, and we've got to be careful. We don't stumble, we don't slip, because it's not of God. And we'll get to a solution. We're going to work our way to a solution today. But it's not going to be a quick fix. I'm not going to offer you, you know, something you throw over your shoulder or or a magic potion and then envy is gone. No. But I am going to tell you how to kill it. I'm going to tell you how to kill it. But it will rise again in your life. Until you're with Jesus, it will rise again. And you're going to have to kill it again. Over and over and over, you're going to have to kill it. So you ready to do that? You ready to kill the envy? Well, let's get there. First of all, see, see the things that were tempting the psalmist, okay? Verse number four, look what it says. For they, being the, the wicked, okay, that, that he just spoke of their shalom. Verse number four, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of man. Now, you might think, well, I don't want to be fat. But that's not what this means. When it says that they are fat and sleek, what that means is that their needs were easily met. This is written in a time in a world where you don't know for sure if you're going to have a meal tomorrow. But these these people of prosperity, their every need is met. And that's the first sort of bait for the trap. The first bait for the trap of envy is the prosperity of others. Now this is not the word shalom. But this prosperity seems to us to look like shalom. It seems to look like peace. So the first bait to watch out for are the wicked around us, how it seems like their every single need is met. Why, they're fat and sleek. Huh, wow. 
They got every, everything they need is there, and they're all so quick. Wow. It's tough not to be envious of them. Go to verse number six. Pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. What's the psalmist saying? It's like nothing goes wrong for them. They got everything they want. Prosperity. But now they seem to have this protection. They're just shouting out things as, as any time they want to. And it's like nothing seems to go wrong. There's no reckoning in their life. They live opposed to God and everything works. And, and the psalmist says, this is driving me nuts. And now he's getting hot. He's getting hot with envy now. Like that gas can rubbing on the, on the concrete ground. He's getting ready to explode. And it doesn't end there. Look at verse number 10. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. So what the psalmist is saying is, even God's people are duped. Even God's people are turning to them and following after them. So people around me are being taken in by this lie of prosperity and of protection. And the psalmist can't understand it. So look what happens in verse number 11. And they say, these are now God's people, all right? And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? So we have God's people and the wicked people both crying out against God. And saying, oh, where is your God? Where is your God? I've lived for this world. I've lived for prosperity. I've lived for popularity. And nothing goes wrong for me. Where is your almighty God? You ever feel that way? If you're honest with yourself, it comes in your mind, doesn't it? We want to see a reckoning. We want to see people who do wrong, who live wrong. We want to see them in our heart now. We want to see them destitute, poor, and hurting. Don't we? Because our hearts go there. And we want it. We want We want the prosperity gospel to be true, folks. We want this to be true in our heart, in our flesh. It's why that message is so popular. Because it speaks to our flesh. We want to deal with God. We want a special deal with God. That if I live for you, you will bless me. And I will be prosperous, and I will be popular, and I will be protected. Come on, God, let's make this deal. I'll sign up. So we bring some preacher up here, and he preaches that message, or she preaches that message, and we line up in droves. Say, oh, it's got to be true. It's got, I want it to be true. Verse number 12. Let's just keep going. Behold, 
These are the wicked. Always at ease. But they increase in riches. And watch how the psalmist now, okay, he's now going to attack himself. He's going to attack himself and his own relationship with God. He's already attacked God, but now he's going to talk himself. All in vain I've kept my heart clean. And in vain I've washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is, I'm being tempted to attack God, I'm attacking myself, and I'm even attacking those who follow me. My children, he says. The generations that come after me, they hear me. They hear where I'm going. They they hear me not believing in the person of God and, and thinking that this world has something to offer. Verse 16 is desperate. At verse 16, we have reached desperation level. The, the psalmist here is almost suicidal. He is, he is at complete desperate levels now. He says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He sits down. And he gives up. It's too weary. It's too weary. Can I tell you that I have known, right now, come to mind, three believers, three different believers, three believers who had a time when they walked with God, a time when they talked of God, time when they had influence for God and a struggle came in their life a challenge came in their life a time of suffering and heartache came in their life and they came to a decision and the decision was will I trust God Or will I curse him? Will I trust God and what's going on in my life and the suffering that is here and the struggle that is here and the envy that is here and the sickness that is here and the loss that is here? Will I trust him? Or will I curse him? I have known three believers personally now who walked away from God. And to this day, I believe that they are outside of Christ. Say, how is that possible? How is that possible, Lowell? I I struggle with it. Saving faith will continue to believe. Saving faith continues to save. Folks, we cannot sit down at verse number 16. Praise God, the psalm doesn't end at verse number 16. The psalmist is on the ground. He's covered with dust and ashes. He's weeping. He's Job, folks. He is crying out and saying, where are you, God? I can't even understand it anymore. 
I'm not even going to try anymore. It's just too weary. It's too wearisome for me to even try. I'm out of here, some people do. But praise God, not the psalmist. Psalm 73, 17 should be underlined in your Bible. It should, you, you need that in bold print. You, you should have it someplace where you can find it because here is the solution. Here it is. I told you we're going to kill it. We're going to kill envy. And it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, thankfully I heard the big secret. It's the same message, folks. Psalmist, verse 16. Let's get the full thought. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. That's it. That's it. The psalmist went to his intimate relationship with God. He snuck away. He snuck away from the prosperity. He snuck away from the protection that everybody seemed to be living. He snuck away from the popularity. Because let me tell you, if you got money and you're protected, you're popular. Right? If you've got money and it seems like nothing goes wrong, you're popular. He snuck away from that and he allowed God to find him. He allowed God to find him in the sanctuary. And God now is going to give him a new fire, okay? It's a new fire that God places in his heart before he's burning up by his envy and now God is going to set him on fire with himself. There's a huge difference. There's all the difference in the world. One is a reaction to this world. The other one is a gift from God. So he runs to the sanctuary of God and notice what happens here. He now just pours out what, what's, what's gonna, this sort of transaction that's going to happen in his life. And first he's going to understand some truth. He's going to understand some truth in verse number 18. He says, truly, you've set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. Oh, Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Now let me say this, the psalmist's joy does not come, it doesn't come in the anguish of the wicked. That's not where you're going to find your joy. If that's where you try to find it, if you try to find this new flame and seeing the wicked struggle, it's not going to work. But when we go to the sanctuary of God, he reminds us of eternal truth. And that's what this is. He reminds us that this world is nothing more than the snap of a finger. In light of eternity, your 75 to 100 years, whatever they are, are just are, are infinite, infinitely small. They're, they're nothing in compared to all of eternity. A mathematician would call them zero. Your 75 years within the infinite actually has the value of zero. You know that? The calculus students in the room, you remember that from Calculus 1? So why do we get so heated by that? That's what this psalmist is trying to say. And in verse number 21, he drives to the issue and he says, 
This was all going on when my soul was embittered when I was pricked in heart. See, the psalmist just understood something in verse number 17. The problem wasn't the wicked. It wasn't the wicked surrounding him. It was his own wicked heart. He didn't hate what he saw in the wicked because it was wicked. He hated what he saw in the wicked because he wanted it for himself. Do you feel that? It's Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not over the wicked doers. And then it says, I was envious of them. There's a confession. There's a repentance that's going on here. Look what he says in verse number 22. I was brutish. I was ignorant. That means like an animal. I was brainless. I was a fool. I was like a beast towards you. I was nothing more than an animal. Thoughts of an animal. I told you I can offer you a solution to envy today. You got to kill it. But that stinking monster of envy... It doesn't stay dead. It resurrects. Like every couple of minutes sometimes, right? It, it raises up out of the ground again. And there it is in front of me again. And that's how every sin is. Whether you deal with the sin of envy, greed, the sin of lust... The sin of gossip, the sins of the tongue. They're there, right again in front of me. They're like raising from the dead. There they are. So what do you do with them? How do you kill them? What's the silver bullet for this thing? Well, let me just be brutally honest. Here's what I got to do regularly. If you knew how regular it was, I'd be really ashamed, okay? Okay? regularly, I get this conversation with God. I see something, I envy it. I don't just want it, I don't want you to have it. I want it to be mine. I'm greedy because I want it, and I don't want you to have it because I'm envious. You guys want to leave? <laughs> so I got to say this. God, I hate envy. I go into a conversation with the Lord. I hate this envy. It's not of you. It's, it's not the way that you are. It's not how I am to be. I hate envy, God. Take it away from me. Take it away. You died for this. Take it away. And I'm telling you, when I pray a prayer like that in faith as a child of God, 
believing that he is real and he is my savior, he kills it. He kills it. It's dead. On the ground, dead. And I'm in victory for a couple minutes. And then it rises up again. And I got to remember, and I got to walk through this. I've got to walk through this. Now, this has been understood by the church literally since for 2,000 years. And some of our people from the past have done horrible things to themselves when they dealt with a temptation to sin. You know, whipping themselves and hurting themselves. No! Sin has been dealt with at the cross. That's where I take it. I take it to the cross of Jesus. And I reckon myself in this sin dead with Christ. That's how Romans 6 says it. Reckon or consider this thing dead with Christ. You killed this once, Jesus. Now kill it again. That's what we got to do. Over and over and over. You know, I used to think, I really used to think that as I got older, when I got to be an old man, you know, like 48 or something, um, that is my age, I remembered. So, no, it's not, I'm 47. Honey, help me. (laughs) I used to think when I got to be 47 or so that this stuff would go away. But what I'm finding is I see it now even more quickly. And I go to the cross of Christ and I take it there to the sanctuary. That's the beauty of our relationship with the Lord. I don't have to come to a place to find God. We are the sanctuary. We are the temple. So I got him here with me all the time. When I go there, I can see truth. So let's just finish it out. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? Oh, man, those are great words. God, you're everything I need. You're everything I want. Who who have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. You see the change that has happened? This isn't a put on. He's not saying this because he's supposed to. God has done this work in his heart. You see? Envy's been killed, and now the fruit of the Spirit is being portrayed in his life. And he has a contentment and a joy now. We see the translation that has happened here. This new creature is now being displayed. This is how it works. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, I love verse 27 and 28. This is is like the new life theme. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. And I'm doing the last verse right now. That I may tell you of all of his works. 
Listen, this is what God offers you. This is, this is what you were designed for. This world and everything around us, it's all a lie. It was made by God, but now it's been twisted by sin. And it doesn't deliver. But God does. He does. And at the cross of Christ, our great God destroyed sin. And its consequences in our lives. And you now can have power over envy. So fret not. Don't get all hot by what you see. But run to our great God and allow him to comfort your heart. Let's pray to him. Father in heaven, Lord, you are good. And Lord, you have brought us victory through the cross of Jesus. Victory over the great foe, sin and death. And Lord, we acknowledge today this battle that there is with this sin of our flesh that that still longs for things of this earth. We've talked a lot about envy today, but it's transferable to a whole host of struggles. So I pray for your children here in the room today. Lord, that we would run to your sanctuary, that we would see you in your glory, and that we would trust your son and his grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.